verses 1 through 11, try to use your imagination and just picture it, because this is, this is interesting. So, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took out a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. We'll go that far. There's, there's a lot there. We can't get to everything. Uh, in fact, there's one thing uh, that, that really caught my attention. Um, and so we're going to sort of sit on it uh, and dwell on it and think about it. Uh, Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. That detail right there, I don't know why, but it, it caught my attention this week. The whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Doesn't that seem like a strange detail to add? Like, of course it did. Have you ever dropped a whole jar of perfume on the floor? That room's gonna smell for weeks. The whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I, I don't think that was an accident. I think that was on purpose. I think he wanted the people to imagine it. I think he wanted the people to connect the smell of that perfume with what was actually happening in that place. You know, our, our sense of smell is more powerful than we often give it credit for. Like, we don't ever think about it very often. But uh, it's, it's been well documented that smells can, have a, can bring back powerful and vivid memories, even better than words and pictures can. Have you had this experience? You'll just be walking around somewhere and you'll smell something and instantly you'll be transported to a different place in a different time. You'll be like, oh my goodness. So I Googled this and uh, this is on the internet, so I trust that it's perfect. Um, <laughs> You can Google it too and probably find some other stuff, but listen, listen to this. Uh, recently, I read that people born between 1900 and 1929 tend to associate the smells of pine, hay, and sea air with their childhood. That's interesting. People born between 1930 and 79, that's a wide swath of people, are likely to associate their childhood with the smell of Vicks Vapor Rub. <laughs> Play-Doh, 
and scented markers. And for those of you who are younger than that, it didn't give me any information on that, so I don't know. You can tell us later what you think. But for people whose childhood memories are triggered by body odor, bus fumes, and sewer gas, there's a correlation with an unhappy childhood, which makes a lot of sense. Like, our, our sense of smell is powerful, isn't it? I can pick up an old practice jersey from my high school days of playing basketball, and if I sniff it, it's been washed a bunch of times, so it's clean. But if I smell it, I'm instantly taken back to, to playing basketball. If I walk into any high school gym, they all look different, but they all smell the same, don't they? If, you, if I walk into to a high school gym, I'm instantly transported back to that place. The other, the other day, I was giving Renee a hug, and I smelled her hair. And I was instantly taken back to when we first started dating. It was like, boom, all of a sudden, I was there. Have you had experiences like this? You have a smell, and it's like, oh, what about the smell? Like, I find it so interesting. Of course, the smell filled the whole room. Why does he add that in there, that little detail? He didn't need to put that in there, but he did. It would have been a familiar smell to people. Everybody would have known what this smell was like. I think that maybe he was wanting them to connect the smell of that perfume so that the next time they smelled it, they thought about this story so that they would have a, a memory. It would pop up in their brain. I think he wanted them to connect this smell, which is a smell that they would have smelled often. And they wouldn't just smell that perfume, but they would also smell the fragrance of the astounding sacrifice and the abundant love of God. So let's talk about those two things in this story. First, I, wanna, I think John wants us to catch a whiff of the astounding sacrifice of God. It's a really weird thing to do. Mary, breaking that jar, wiping her feet, wiping his feet with her hair. It's an odd thing to do. It's an odd thing for us, but it was also an odd thing for them. Let's just let the story do the talking, okay? Let's just run through the story. Think about it. Imagine it. There they are, sitting around a table, reclined. So the table's low. They're reclining at the table so their feet are exposed, right? What we know from the other stories about Jesus is that Martha was busy. She was busy getting everything ready, preparing food and serving people. Uh, Lazarus was there with Jesus. They were reclining around the table, uh, around with the others who were there. We don't know how many others uh, that were there. It was, a, it was a normal party, a normal dinner party. That, you know, conversation was, was good and light, and maybe they were talking about the weather or who knows. But then all of a sudden, Mary gets up probably from the back of the room, and nobody notices her until she starts to move. So she moves towards Jesus deliberately. Right? The look on her face is soft but serious. You can see the look of love in her eyes. It's, it's kind of the look that, that maybe a parent would have as they, they're getting ready to give a, a child like the Christmas gift that year. It's like there's an anticipation there in her eyes. So she takes this jar of expensive perfume and she carefully breaks the neck of it, pours it all over his feet, sacrificing an entire year's worth of salary for a normal working class person. And then she washes his feet with her hair. It's an odd thing to do. 
Like, especially for us, but also for, for them. Because you didn't anoint someone's feet, you anointed their forehead. Like, oftentimes when the men would walk into a house for a party like this, you would anoint. And you would just use a, a little bit, a few drops. Because all you need are a few drops. And you'll smell it all day, right? All you need are a few drops. Or you would anoint the head of someone who is becoming king. Then you would pour the whole thing because he's the king. And it would go down his head and all the way down his body. The only, you wouldn't anoint someone's feet with oil. The only reason you would anoint someone's feet is if you were preparing the body for burial. That's interesting, isn't it? Why would she anoint Jesus' feet as if he were already dead? That's fascinating. I think, I think maybe she anointed his feet because she recognized the sacrifice that Jesus had already made every day of his life. It's just sort of the way he lived. Remember, this is before he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. This is before the crucifixion, certainly before the resurrection. And Jesus seemed to be the only one to see any of that coming. So we can safely assume that Mary wasn't there. She didn't think, oh, he's going to be crucified soon. I better do this to honor him. No, no, no. I think she, she just living with Jesus, being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, I think she recognized the way that he lived his life. He sacrificed his life. He died to himself for the sake of others every day of his life. It was just his way of living. He sacrificed his life. He died. It's like he had no ego. So he gave himself away every day. So Mary wanted to honor his sacrificial way of living the best way that she knew how. She anointed his feet as if she's making a statement here. She anointed his feet as if he were already dead. You know, we think about, like we just sung songs, sang songs about it. Right? When we think about the sacrifice of Jesus, when, we, when someone says, think about the sacrifice of Jesus, what do you think about immediately? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? And what do you dwell on? We dwell on, on the cross, right? Yeah. But read the stories about Jesus again. Right? He first sacrificed himself by emptying himself and becoming a human being, becoming one of us, showing us what it looks like to truly be human, what it, showing us what God looks like. He, if you read through the stories about him in the Bible, it, it's, it's like every step he took was a, a step of sacrifice for and a step of service to everyone he met. Right? So Mary honored him the best way she knew how, with the sacrifice of her own, a bottle of perfume worth a year's salary. Can you smell it? The, sa the smell of sacrifice. She recognized it. I think John also wants us to, to catch a whiff of the fragrance of love. Right? So this was no ordinary perfume. It was probably uh, imported from India. It was uh, contained in an alabaster jar, and we don't know how she got it or where she got it, but we know that it probably cost her a year's worth, and she used it all. What a waste, we think. Like, especially Judas is like, what 
a waste, all of it. But Mary intended it as an act of, of love. She was so overwhelmed by Jesus raising her brother from the dead. She was so overwhelmed by the love that Jesus had shown her and her family that she just wanted to express that back. Right? All she wanted to do was to, to love Jesus as abundantly as he had loved her. And common sense never, never entered the picture at all. Like Judas was thinking common sense. Well, you do that. Common sense never entered her mind. She knew how much it was worth. She knew how much she could sell it for, but she didn't care how much it cost her because that's what love does. How many of us have given like that to somebody? Oh my goodness. Common sense sometimes, love sometimes gets in the way of common sense. It does. Like there are a whole bunch of husbands in here who dropped a whole bunch of money on a ring for, why do we do that? Why do, why do we do that? Common sense. And there are a whole bunch of wives who then returned the favor. Right? Why do we do stuff like that? Common sense sometimes gets in the way, or love sometimes gets in the way of common sense. All she wanted to do was express her love for Jesus. Right? But if you notice something about this, about the sacrifice of Jesus every day of his life, the love that he gave to people, the sacrifice and the love of Jesus, the love of the divine, always moves in a circle. It always moves in a circle, right? So Mary was so taken in by the sacrifice that Jesus lived every day of his life, constantly giving himself away. She was so taken in by the sacrifice that she wanted to make a sacrifice of her own. She completed the circle by sacrificing something of hers. And then she was so taken in by the love of God that she completed the circle with this act of love for Jesus. Right? So the, the sacrifice of Jesus, the love of the divine always move in a circle. But here's the thing I want us to think about. It's our choice. That we, we actually get to choose whether or not we enter that circle. It's our choice whether or not we're going to take the sweet fragrance of sacrifice and love of God and let it affect us and complete the circle. Mary did that. Judas in the story, if, if you read the story, he, he doesn't do that. right? Intend, he intends to stop it and he intends to put a cork in it. He doesn't want it to, to go in a circle. He talked a good game. He sounded good. He's a real good religious dude. Like he knew the exact right thing to say. This thing could have been sold and given to the poor. Why wasn't that done? It was worth a whole year's wages. Like it sounds good, right? Complete the circle by giving it to the poor. But we learn, John, because John tells us, hey, he never intended to do that, by the way. He was going to... He was going to reach into the money bag once again, and he was going to take some of it for himself, just like he would later do when he would betray Jesus for a bag of, for a bag of coins, right? And think also about how Judas uh, betrays Jesus. How does he betray Jesus? He does it with a kiss, like it looks good. 
He wants to betray Jesus with a kiss. It looks good. It looks like he's completing the circle, but it's not. He's stopping it. His, his intention was never to complete the circle, to enter into that circle and give himself away. Mary did it, though. She completed the circle. She entered in. Right? So this moves in a circle. Right? If, you, if we understand the sacrifice that God has made for us. We just, again, we sang a whole bunch of songs about it. If we understand the sacrifice, God giving his son, Jesus giving his life, we complete the circle by sacrificing ourselves to God. If we understand the, the deep, deep love that God has given to us, we, we respond by loving God. But I think it goes further than that. I think the circle is bigger than that. If we understand that, that God withholds judgment on us, what will that move us to be and become? Well, people who judge others less, people who refrain from judging. If we understand and experience the forgiveness of God, what does that do for us? It widens, we complete the circle by forgiving others. If we understand just how much God has given to us, well then that transforms us and changes us and makes us generous people and we give to others. And if we don't, then we're, we're kind of like Judas. We stop it up, put a, put a cork in it. So this morning, I want us to think about how, how can we enter the circle? How can you enter the circle, the sacrifice, the love of God? So we're all about to eat lunch in a little bit, okay? I'm assuming you're going to eat lunch. When you eat lunch, and then when you eat dinner, and then whenever you eat, and you smell the, the aroma of a, of a good home-cooked meal, or maybe you're going to go to Hickory Park and smell those smells, I want you to think about this reality, because we don't often think about this. I want you to think about the fact that something has just died so that you, so that we can live. Like we're so far removed from the sacrifice of the stuff that we eat that we just don't think about that. Something died so that we can live. And then remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Right? The next time you, you take a shower or bath and you smell the, the aroma of the soap, remember the love of God that has washed you and made you clean. Let the smell, the fragrance of the sacrifice and the love of God fill you. And then complete the circle by sacrificing and loving for others. It's like Mary did. How does that play itself out for you right now? Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the ways in which your stories in this book sort of move us. As we enter into them, as we experience them, and we ask, oh God, that that we would be filled with your love. 
But we don't want it to end there. We don't want it to, to stop us up. We, we want, oh God, to respond to that. We want to share it with others. We want it to transform us and make us new so that we can better be your presence in this world. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.